Welcome to Ottawa Valley Vineyard, where we simply want to help you encounter Jesus, be transformed, and share His love. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? All right. A few people excited? Nice. Um, my name is Jake. I'm, uh, I'm glad to be here. Hi, David. Uh, I'm glad to be here this morning. Um, yeah, I'm excited to share. I, I've, been, um, I've been sitting on, uh, on this word for a little while, call it a word or a revelation from God, and, and I've shared it in different contexts, and I felt like this Sunday was the Sunday to share it here. So I'm pretty excited. I've been sitting on this one. And I, it's, um, if you get to know me, I, I have really simple things that I get excited about, and that's kind of my whole sermon. It, it, it's, I, and I, like, I, I kind of appreciate that because I, I like things that I can just get, and it's, it's you know what I'm saying? It's kind of... It's a nugget. I can take home a nugget, right? So um, I'm going to start by pretty much giving you my whole sermon, and then I'm going to spend the next 30 minutes talking about that, that nugget, okay? Is that fair? I, I hope I, I, there's a lot of depth to something that's, even though it can seem easy to grasp. Is that right? Um, all right, so um, here's, here, here's, my, here's my whole sermon. It struck me, it struck me that um, the Bible is still being written. It struck me that the Bible is still being written. And I, I don't, I don't, I want to give a caveat, okay? I don't mean that there's going to be a new book released, like, that's going to be added to the Bible. I don't mean, like, new release this month, you know what I'm saying? Like, Revelation Part 2 or something. Like, that's not, that's not really what I'm saying. Um, but it struck me that there's a story that's been unfolding from the Bible, and it hasn't, hasn't stopped. It's continuing. That, that, that's kind of my whole message, is that I, I couldn't believe that. Um, and here's the other piece of that, is that... Um, we, we, in one sense, are writing the book of Carlton Place. Do you guys get what I mean when I say that? Some of you do, and some of you don't. And if you don't, I'm gonna bring you, I'm gonna try and explain that for the next little while. But, but we're actually in the story as Christians. Does that make sense? Like the, 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 the Bible and, and the, a lot of the New Testament is, is letters written to a town where it was actually just normal people like you and I who were the Christians in that town. The book of Romans is a letter to the Roman church in Rome. There could be a letter to Carlton Place and we would be the people that were addressed in that letter. We're writing the book of Carlton Place. Isn't that an interesting thought? We're in the story. I don't know if you guys have ever read some of these crazy stories and, uh, in the Bible and, and kind of wished, or, or you watched like a, like a movie or something and you wish you're in the movie. And, and, and this was really big to me because I realized I'm in the story. Isn't that interesting? Like there's, okay, so here's what I mean. Let me, let me look at this from the other perspective. Um, the Bible had, Jesus had a gospel that's, that's been continuing on and it's, it's been changing people's lives for literally hundreds and thousands of years and it's still doing that now and we have a part to play with that now. Now, let's look at it from the other angles. I don't know if we talk about this enough in the church, but the Bible actually talks about the fact that there's an end to the way that we know life. Like there's, there's an end to this kind of, this, the way we know, the way we see and know earth right now, there's going to be an end. Jesus is going to come back and this thing will be a wrap, you know? And it struck me that there's going to be a story about what happened to the gospel of Jesus, to the news that Jesus um, preached in Carlton Place. There's going to be, at some point, it's going to be past tense. Isn't that interesting? There's going to, there's going to be an account of what happened to the gospel of Jesus in Carlton Place in 2019. Isn't that interesting? I'm gonna, I'm gonna if, if you have no idea what I'm talking about right now, that's okay. Um, I, I'm gonna try and explain this and I'm gonna try and tell our story as it's shown in the Bible. Okay, and, I, and I, there's, there's a beauty and a, and a weird reverence about the fact that we're in the story, but um, I wanna talk about this, okay? So 
Um, to start from the beginning, well, actually, let me, let me just say this. I, I once heard a preacher say that um, I needed to keep reading my Bible so that I wouldn't lose sight of who I am. And I thought that was really weird. I was like, well, I kind of know who I am. I don't really understand what you're talking about. Um, and I've started to understand that more and more, that the Bible has something to say about our created purpose and who we are and who God is and, and who we are in relation to our creator. The Bible has a claim about that. This is a literal, like, you can call it scientific claim. This is, the Bible has, a, has an opinion, has a claim on who we are and why we're here, okay? And um, there's, there's, there's other narratives out there. And, if, and if, if I'm not learning from the Bible about what God says I am, or who God says I am, and who he is, and the kind of life he wants me to lead, there's other forces out there that will teach me. Does that make sense? Is that fair? I'm not trying to pick on one, one teacher or one school, but actually in this, in, in this very high school where we're standing, I was taught that, that um, creationism, like is kinda, it's kind of like past tense, like it's kind of faux pas, that idea has been expired. That, and and like that, that's becoming a pretty, that's come, a, a pretty common narrative in our, in our society today, hasn't it? This idea that God is kind of, it's, it's past tense. You know what I mean? That's just, that, that's what they believed in the dark ages before they had science. You understand? Like that's kind of become a dominant narrative in our society is that it's, it's kind of silly to believe those kind of things. And the, the crazy thing is that I don't, I, don't, I don't mean, this might sound heavy. I'm not meaning for this to sound morbid or heavy, but we still have to answer the question of what happens next. Like it's no, it's no surprise to us that all of us, I mean, at most, I mean, I'd love to live to be 110, but, but if, if there's no creator and I'm just, a, I'm the product of atoms colliding, what's next? Right? That's a question that I think we're all going to have to deal with. And the Bible helps me because it has an answer for this. The Bible has a different story, and, and, it, and it tells me about my part to play in this. All right? I want to start, I'm going to try and skim over a few things. I want to start from sort of the beginning. Let's take a look at Psalm 139.16. You guys can read that. It says, You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. So the Bible's telling me, contrary to, to what, what, what that narrative in our society is saying, is that I was created intentionally. Before I was even here, which, by the way, I just want to take an aside. Have you guys ever stopped to think about the fact that you didn't try really hard to exist? Isn't that an interesting thought? I wasn't, and now I am. I woke up one day. That's not to my credit. I, I wasn't, and now, oh, here I am. Isn't that interesting? I mean, my parents have a part to play in this, but we're not going there. I'm, what I'm trying to say is, <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, is there was a long period of time when I didn't exist and now I do. I, I, didn't, I had nothing to do with it. I just woke up. I'm just here. So what, so what the Bible's saying is that that's actually not an accident. He's saying that every day of my life was recorded in God's book Amen. before a single day had passed. I'm intentional. I'm not a random product of atoms colliding. I'm a part of his plan from the beginning. He knew when I was coming, when I was going to exist. He saw me from the get-go, and I have a piece of the puzzle to play. I'm intentional. I have a destiny. I have a purpose. Isn't that interesting? This is a part of the biblical's opinion on, why you, on who you are. Skipping quite a bit of the Bible here, but we're going to Romans. We've been created, we've been created intentionally. And it says that we've all sinned, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Oh. There it is. Um, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we were created intentionally, but there was this problem where we were separated from why we were originally made. Okay, we've, and 
I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna try and stay off my soapbox here, but I just wanna talk about this for a second. A lot of us get hung up on this idea that, well, are you really saying that I deserve to go to hell? Like, are you really saying that I'm as bad as other people? And that's kind of the way we think, is like, well, if there's a God out there and I'm as good as I am and he wants to send me to hell because, I mean, look at how bad other people are. Are you really telling me that I'm gonna go to hell? We get hung up on that. A lot of our culture gets hung up on that. And honestly, I think you're approaching the question the wrong way. That's not what this verse is focusing on. The problem is, it, it's not about how good you are in comparison to other people. It's that we've all fallen short of the standard to which we were created, which by the way, is called the glory of God. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> so all of a sudden it's not like, you know, you got to be in the 51st percentile of how good you were to get into heaven. Where did we get that idea? Where did that come from? I mean, I have an opinion on where that came from, but what we're saying, the Bible's saying that we were created for something much bigger than we sometimes ascribe ourselves to. Is that fair to say? The problem that's being answered in this verse is that we've fallen short of the glory of God himself. God's not satisfied with you just being not as bad as other people. He's called you to be a son and a daughter of God. He's called you to be filled and connected to him. The glory of God is the problem that's trying to be fixed. So it's like, like yes, you're not as bad as, as Hitler or something, but the, but the issue is that you've still fallen short of, of, of where you were made to be. There's, there's a gap that needs to be fixed, all right? Here's the next part. And are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. There's something between us about where we were originally created to be. And we are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We're made clean. A part of our story, I've got to slow down and just, and just pause for a sec here. We're, we're created intentionally. There's a problem that needs to be fixed because we're not where we were created to be. And we're justified. Sin is what is the problem. That's why it's an issue of justification. There's, there's, a, there's a penalty that, you know, is due for things we've done wrong. That's what's kept us from where we were made to be. And we're justified by his grace as a gift. Like, we need to slow down and just think about this for a second, okay? Sometimes we skim over this stuff. Like, like God himself sends, sends his son um, to justify you and me. Here's something, here's something that's really powerful to me. Sometimes we say that Jesus died for our sin, and that's true. And I don't, but I don't believe it's the best way to illustrate his death. I don't believe that that's... I, he didn't just die for our sin. I think he died for you. Does that make sense? You were worth dying for. Isn't that a different way to look at that? Isn't that, isn't that very different? Like, like sin was a problem, and, and we didn't deserve... Like, it, it, it's, it's still to the credit of his grace. I'm not, I'm not a heretic. I'm not, in, I'm, not, I'm not trying to say that he owed it to us. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that he was pursuing something that was worth dying for. Your, our destiny was compromised and we were enslaved by something and he beat that thing out of the way so that we could stand back in who we were made to be. To get us back to the glory of God. Isn't that interesting? So it's, it's a different perspective. You can, it, it, he didn't just die for your sin. He, you were worth dying for. He died for you. There was, he, he wanted to get you back. Redemption. I love the word Redemption through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Okay, Jake, if this is your first time at church, you might be saying, okay, Jake, what in the world are you talking about? What is this redemption that is in Christ? What are you talking about? Let's keep going. John chapter three, verse three. So Jesus pays the penalty on our behalf. If you guys, this is, hopefully this isn't a spoiler, but Jesus dies on a cross. This is again from the grave. He pays the penalty on our behalf and, and he redeems us. I love the word redemption. I'm going to come back to that and why redemption is such an important word, okay? Um, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. 
See, the kingdom of God is, is that glory of God that we were called to exist in. That's the problem that Jesus is trying to fix, is we were made to be there. And, and he comes and, and we're redeemed back into it through him. Unless we're, but it's not unless we're born again. What in the world does it mean to be born again? If, you're, if you read this chapter, by the way, if that's your question, I encourage you to check this chapter out because the guy's like, Nicodemus is like, what are you talking about, Jesus? Am I getting back in the womb? Like, what do you mean born again? How can I be born twice? If you're asking that question, that's a great question. Check out the chapter. Here's what he says. Unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So we're not talking about, like, water is, is your human birth, you know, fleshly birth. You're born again in the spirit. It's a new spiritual birth, okay? You're a new spiritual creation. The Bible says right here, I, I know I'm firing through a lot of scriptures, by the way. I, I was going to tell you to go and flip with me, but I was just like, this is going to be, you're going to be flipping all over the place to try and keep up. So I apologize. If you want the references, I can give them to you, all right? Um, but unless you're born again, and, it's, and it's, not, it's a spiritual birth, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. It's like a, a restart. And the Bible talks about that being this phrase called in Christ, in Christ. That's used a lot by, by in the New Testament. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. So when you're redeemed in Jesus, this new spiritual birth, you're connected to him. You're in Christ, in a sense. Again, that might sound a little confusing. John 15 talks about Jesus being like a vine, and we're like branches. So when you're born again, you're kind of like this new branch that comes off of the vine. You're in him. Your life is from him, um, and it's a new spiritual birth. You're a totally new creation. So, this is our story that we're talking about here. We were created with a destiny and a purpose that God loved us enough that he would go through what he went through in Christ to redeem. And you're made new. You're made wholly new and, and eternally in Christ. It's so much more than 100 years. This is what, this is what God... This is the message of Jesus that's still continuing today. This is the story that has very much to do with you and I and, and, and for Carlton Place and for our town and for people around us. I said that I was going to come back to this word redemption and I want to talk to us about what, is, what does it mean if we're a new creation? What does it look like practically, Jake? How does this have to do with me going to work in my week? And what does it mean to be a new creation? How do, how do I continue living my life if I'm this new spiritual creation? I don't really understand that. That's a great question, me. Um, in, in 1 John 3, chapter 1, he says, here's another way to illustrate what it's like to be redeemed back in Christ, okay, to receive this forgiveness in this new life. He says, see how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children. When you're born again, when you receive this new spiritual birth, you're actually, you're actually a part of the king's family. In, in the kingdom of God, Jesus is the king of kings, and you're adopted into his family, and you have, you have an inheritance of, of a prince or a princess. You're, you're, you're a part of the king's family. This is, this is the eternal big picture, okay? He, he calls us his children. You're not just, you're not just back in the kingdom um, as a peasant. <laughs> you, you were created for that glory of God. Remember that high standard we're talking about that we were called to? You're called to be a part of the king's family. You're his son and his daughter, okay? Here's what the Bible says about our relationship as we learn and grow in this, okay? So, um, says, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. So when you get to know Jesus, Jesus wants to be this, he wants to be our dad and our friend. He wants to have a relationship with us and we, and we learn to walk that out for the rest of our lives. And Colossians, this letter, he's encouraging us. He says, put on, this, put on your new nature. 
Christ has put, uh, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. You kind of put off the old you, some of that stuff that was sin, and it was, you were never made to, to have that on you. That's not, your, that's not your created destiny. And be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. This is a deep, this is a deep thing for me, and I, I am getting somewhere with this. And this, this spoke really deeply to me, that be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. When you're brought back into the king's family, when you're born again as this new spiritual creation, Jesus says, learn from me, for my yoke is easy, my burden's light. You begin a new life where you learn from him. And what it looks like to learn from him is you, you, you learn to know him personally and become like him. We want to look like our dad. Does that make sense? Doesn't a little child, I mean, when you're a, if, I'm not a parent, but when you're a parent and, you, and your kids are very young, who's their hero? Right? Help me out here. Who's their hero? Parent, okay, Spider-Man. Thanks, Pastor Aaron. <laughs> their parents are their hero, right? We want to look like our dad. When we're, when, we're, when we're spiritual children in God's family, we want to look like our dad. And what in the world does it look like to, to, to get to know God? Like, doesn't that sound, like, if, if, if you were new to this kind of a thing, and I think a lot of us have some context, but what, is it, what does it look like to actually get to know Jesus as our dad and want to look more like him and be transformed in that kind of a way? What are we talking about here? And this is my point. This is where I felt led this morning, and this is where I, um, this is where I, what I want to highlight. It's going back to 1 John chapter 1, okay? Um, I'm going to take an aside before I read this verse. In, so this guy, John, Jesus had these 12 dudes that were his closest dudes, and um, they were called apostles. And John, in his own words, was like the one that Jesus loved. He was the closest to Jesus, okay? According to church tradition, John was the only guy that died a natural death. And according to tradition, they actually tried to kill him multiple times and were unsuccessful. Apparently, they tried to boil him alive in a vat of oil, and it didn't work. This is, this, it's not in the Bible, but it's according to church tradition. And because they couldn't kill him, they exiled him. They're like, all right, just get out of here. We can't, do, you know. And the last book in the, of the Bible is, is called Revelation. And that's written by John when he's in exile. So he's, he's kicked out. They tried to kill him. They can't. And he's kicked. To the, and he still writes a part of the Bible. I mean, talk about overcoming. Anyway, so my, my point being is that if there's anybody that we can learn from about what it looks like to walk this side of heaven with a relationship with Jesus, it's John. This is how John's specially used in, in, in God's, in, in the scriptures, is that he has this special knowing of Jesus. He talks about abiding in him. He talks about being close with him. And I want to highlight something in here, all right? So this is a letter from John to the church in his day. And here's, here's how he opens his letter. It's chapter one. It's like the third verse in. It says, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father, and with his son, Jesus Christ. I love the word fellowship. I don't use it often. I don't ask my friends if they want a fellowship this weekend. It's not usually how I, I usually ask them if they want to hang out. It'd be weird if I asked them to fellowship. But I love this word. In Greek, it's koinonia. And in other translations, it's not the best translation of the word, but in other translations, it's translated commune to commune with God and with his son, Jesus Christ. And really what it's getting at is that it's hanging out with. It's a friendship where you can share personal thoughts and interaction. It's, it's, it's a close and intimate friendship. That's what this word means in Greek, okay? And John's excited. He says, what we have seen and heard in Jesus, we're writing so that you too can have it as well. And what he's writing about is that we would have fellowship with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. 
So this wasn't just for John who had a special place in Jesus' 12 dudes. This, he's writing because we're all invited to have a fellowship with God and with his son. Now, if you're like me, your first question is, what in the world does it look like to, have, to hang out with God, to have fellowship with God and with his son? I don't understand what that means. Um, and that's where, I, I'm going to give you guys some examples. And, and honestly, my message today is I believe that in our, in our story, and in the story of, of the book of Carlton Place, it's so integral that, that we hang out with God, that we have fellowship with him. I believe that's what John invited us to, is that, is that we, we spend time with him in a way where we really call him our best friend, or we call him our dad, and we say things like, well, how do you know, somebody asks you, how do you know Jesus is real? Well, I, I know him. That might sound kind of funny, and maybe you do explain more than that, but, but you know him. It almost sounds funny to ask that question, well, I, I know him, I don't, I don't know, it's a little bit hard to explain, but... Jesus said that he told his followers that he would manifest himself to them. He actually wants to hang out with us. He wants to be known in a way that's conversational, that's every day, that's at work, that's in your car, that's at home, that's in your dark moments and your, your high moments. This is, this is what Jesus came to give us. This is what John's writing and inviting us to. I want to just take an aside. I mentioned this in my last sermon. And it's so revolutionary to me. Jesus in John 17, I don't have this verse. In John 17, I believe it's verse 6. He says that this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. Jesus defines what eternal life is, and it's a knowing of God and, and Jesus. So all of a sudden for me, like there was like this light bulb, ding. And it was like, John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. To me, that was like, okay, I'm not going to go to hell. But in Jesus' definition of eternal life, it's so that I could know him in Jesus. That's what he defines eternal life as. So, so Jesus came that I could know him. Is that fair to say? That's interesting to me. So I think that's actually my last... So th this, is, this is honestly... It's a nice photo. Um, what in the world does it look like to hang out with God? What is this? And, and, and so I want to give you guys some examples, but the first thing that's really important for me to, to explain is that um, we're all unique, and that has a lot to do with how we have relationships. In the, same way that, in the same way that I can't just give you a method to have a relationship with someone else because you, you're different, this is going to look different for, for everybody, and that's important to remember. Because what can happen is I can tell you what it looks like for me to have fellowship with God, and, and that might not click with you, and you might be like, well, that's definitely not me, so you just kind of, you know, that's it. But there's an integrity in our heart when we know, okay, am, am I... Am I looking to have fellowship with God? Am I looking to hang out with him and know him in the way that he's saying that he wants to be known by me? Okay, so I'm going to give you some examples because I don't want to just leave it at a concept. I want to show you what this looks like in just in personal stories here. Um, I'm going to share a story from a few weeks ago. I was preparing a sermon. Anybody that does public speaking or speaks at churches and stuff, you know that, I mean, you kind of get nervous and you're preparing, and you, um, the, the, the most exciting part is when you feel like you got the talk ready to go. You're like, oh, until that point, until that point, you're, you're kind of, I mean, you're, you're motoring, you know what I mean? You want to you make sure you got something to say. You don't want to get up here and have nothing to say, right? So I was feeling a little bit behind the gun this time, okay? I was feeling a little bit behind, 
I'm getting my sermon ready and I'm feeling a little behind and I'm going into my room and I'm carving out some time. I'm just going to, God, I need to know what you're saying this week. I need to, I need to have a sense and a, and a confidence that this is something that's from you. It's not just me picking a verse and making a speech out of it, right? So I go in my room and it was like there was an elephant in the room. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get my sermon done and I'm getting absolutely nowhere. I'm like, I'm like, maybe it's this and I'm just trying to like, okay, God, I want to hear from you and maybe it's that. No, that doesn't make any sense to me and oh, maybe that. And I was just getting nowhere. It's, it was, it was kind of like writer's block, but it was more like there was an elephant in the room. Because here's the funny thing about preparing a sermon. The Bible says there's only one teacher and it's not me, thankfully. The, the only teacher is the Holy Spirit. What I'm saying is that God had the sermon on lock. He was good. He wasn't worried about the sermon this Sunday. Does that make sense? He had it on lock. He's the only teacher. He can bring me up to speed pretty darn fast, okay? There was an elephant in the room because there was some things that were stressing me out that I needed to talk to God with, to, to, to talk to him about. There was, there was just problems in my life and, and, and anxieties and stuff that was bugging me that he wanted to talk about. But I'm like, God, I gotta get the sermon done, right? And, and it, it was a bit of a, one of these for a little while, right? So eventually, eventually after, you know, trying like six different approaches, I get nowhere. And um, it's, just, it's, it's, it's just an impression upon me. Like, I can't shake this. I, this these, these issues in my life right now are stressing me out. It was some dynamics and problems with friends and stuff. I was just stressed about stuff. So I start to talk to God about this thing because it starts to overwhelm me. I'm, God, I'm so stressed about these things. I don't know what to do when this person says this. And how do I respond to this? And it was almost like there was somebody in the room, I just talked it out. I just talked out with God what was stressing me out. And honestly, it was so healing by the time I was done. It was like I just felt all of a sudden like God was so proud of me. And it struck me, it struck me in that moment that I was like, God cares about me in a way where he actually wants to talk to me about what's bugging me. He's not just like, Jake, you got to get the results. you got to make this sermon like, you know what I'm saying? He's, he's not running me over in the process of getting a sermon done. He's, he, he sees me and something that's burdening me when I'm coming in a room and he's wanting to talk to me about that. That struck me by the love of God. And that's what it looked like for me to hang out with God that day. It wasn't, it wasn't robotic. It was, it was personal. There was stuff that was bugging me. I just need to talk it out. And it was like a huge burden off my shoulders. It, that's what it looked like for me to have fellowship with God that day. Um, I'm going to keep firing some examples because I hope this is going to equip and help you with just, okay, what, where do I start? How do I, what does it look like to walk with God in relationship? Um, there was last week I was reading John 14. I was hanging out with God. Do it. I was just reading my Bible in the morning and um, I shared this at Young Adults. And um, the first part of John 14, Jesus tells his followers, he says, um, I've prepared a place for you and I'm going to come back so that where I am, you may be with me also. And I had read like those two verses and I was stunned. And I, I was just kind of stopped. I just, it just jumped off the page because here's the thing about, here's the role of the Bible when you're communing and having fellowship with God is that God's speaking to us in his word. There's a funny way that there's a living God who's speaking to us when we're reading the scriptures. And he spoke into my life and I realized that this John 14 passage wasn't just for the people he was talking to in that context, but for all of his followers, he's saying, hey, I've got a place for you. I'm going to come back so that where I am, you'd be with me. That jumped off the page of me, and I'm, and I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, I'm trying to process this literally in my life. I'm reading Dallas Willard, and he's like, you've got to make plans for the next 500 years. Like, it should be normal for us to think about the fact that, that life's bigger than this 100-year existence. 
And I'm thinking to myself that God loves me enough, not just that he's, he's not like reminding me to, you know, make sure you get all your stuff done before I come back. He's saying, hey, listen, don't be afraid. That's how he opens that chapter. Don't be afraid. I'm going to come back so that where, where I am, you'd be with me. I was struck by the love of God like that. I was, I was struck that he, he wanted to be with me. Isn't that something? You weren't an accident. You were created. This is, this is our story. This is our story that we're talking about. This is God himself pleading and saying, I, I, I love you. I, I want to be with you. That's, that's what it looked like for me to, to hang out with God that morning was to just get, I was just lost in this verse for a little while. I was just thinking about it. I didn't, I didn't, you know, like keep plowing through to read the rest of the chapter. I, I just, I just was hung up on the fact that Jesus loved me in a way that he was going to come back and there's a place with my name on it. And who knows it's not wrong to read a whole bunch of a chapter. Who knows you don't have to, this is why I'm trying to say, don't, don't just reflect your, don't just try and replicate experiences, okay? To have fellowship with the Lord, if there's an integrity where you, you have to just seek and find. Does that make sense? I know that's a little bit wishy-washy or it may feel that way, but trust me, there's substance here. It's real. He's, he is alive and he wants to have a living relationship with you. It wouldn't have been wrong for me to keep reading my Bible that morning. And some mornings I'll read a whole bunch of chapters and that's what it looked like for me to hang out with God that morning. I'm just struck by all I'm reading and I'm feasting by what I'm, by what I'm learning from him, right? But on that morning, it was just two verses. Here's another big one, guys. Um, Making prayer a two-way conversation is what it looks like to have fellowship with the Lord. It's not just saying your prayers, but it's, but it's allowing conversation. It's listening, incorporating listening, whatever that means for you, into prayer. It's, God, what do you want to say to me this morning? You know what a cheat code is? I learned this sometimes, is you can actually come to God and say, God, what do you want me to know right now? And just listen and just see if something comes to mind. Listen, and, and if, if that's new to you, if you're not sure about this idea of listening prayer and listening to, to what, what comes to your mind, that, that I understand that that can be a little bit new, and it was new to me too. Um, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance all that Jesus has said to us. And often when I'm listening like that and I'm giving God space to speak, he's just reminding me of his word. And, and, I, and I do advise people, like if you're gonna practice listening prayer, that it's important to be grounded in here too. So you're not just opening yourself up to voices in your head, but you're grounded in here and you're seeking and saying, God, what do you want me to know right now? What are you saying to me? And making prayer a two-way conversation changed my life. Listening prayer changed my life. That's what it looks like for me to sometimes have fellowship with the Lord because um, it, he, he, he says stuff, he talks back. And listen, I understand if that seems like it's insurmountable to you, I just want to encourage you. That's a skill that you can learn to know. I, I heard someone teach, it was actually Jamie. I don't know if Jamie's in the room, but um, he taught one time on hearing God about how when you're a baby and you're first hearing your, your, your parent's voice, it's, it's a bit of a new experience. But over time, you can pick your parent's voice out of a crowd, no trouble. Does that make sense? So you grow in, in, in learning to hear God's voice internally. It's a skill that you can grow in. But listening prayer, if you guys, I, there's resources to help and, and, and teachings on this that, that take, that are very helpful. But listening prayer is a huge part of what I believe God wants us to walk in. Where, where we, we come to prayer expectantly, believing that we can hear back from him. Believing that he actually talks to us. Does that make sense? So listening prayer. I want to give you one more example and then... Uh, how are we doing? Are we, are we all right? On, what time did I start? Are we doing all right on time? Could I keep going with some more examples? 40 minutes? Aaron, am I good? How much time? Uh, yeah? Go for Got a last five. Perfect. Okay. All right. I, I, I was, anyway, I'm trying to be sensitive to time. Um, 
When was the last time that we had, when was the last time, just reflect personally, I'm not trying to be challenging or something. I am trying to be challenging, but I'm not trying to be condemning. When was the last time that we had unhurried time with God? Unhurried. Does that make sense? Were, 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 have you guys ever heard the verse, be still and know that I'm God? What a beautiful practice. First of all, it's striking to me that he wants us to be still and know that it, it, it just, all it is, it's like being cleansed from fear. When you're just still and you just know that he's God. Why, he wants to speak that to us. And, and, and sometimes I understand that may be new to us, but an unhurried time with the Lord is powerful. When you don't have an agenda, you're not just trying to get the chapter done kind of thing. Like you're, it, 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 unhurried time, being still. I was taught in one of the, I, I went to a small group and they, they taught about, um, don't even, like sometimes it's okay to just be with him and not even necessarily be praying. Did you know that's okay? Did you know that you can just sit with him and hang out? It's amazing. That's amazing. Um, so I want to emphasize again, I, I, hope this is, I hope you're getting something out of this. I hope this is encouraging to you. This is a, I, I felt led to this because there's so much I could say about how our story, how, how could I encompass all of our life story in one message? But I felt, I felt called for us to, to, to live from this perspective, to recognize we're eternal and, 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 and we're Christ's ambassadors. God's making his appeal through us. That appeal gets stronger as we get to know him. Colossians, in that verse, we say, we're, we're transformed as we learn to know our creator. We, we, the Bible says that we love because he first loved us. When you start to have fellowship with him and your prayer is two-way, when, you, when, when, you're, when you're seeking to know a living God, okay, it, it, it changes the way you love outwardly too. This is practical. This is not just experiences and, and feelings. This really does. Here's what, I, here's what I'm talking about. When I was, when I was preparing, you guys remember my story about the sermon? When I'm preparing my sermon and God speaks to me about my fears and I recognize that he didn't just want me to have that, get that done, but he was concerned about what was actually burdening me. That gentleness, do you not think that has a gentleness when I am now mentoring someone else about, about the way that they're worried about getting their sermon done or something? Or just the unhurriedness of God, the confidence of God. Do you see how that has an effect outwardly? Do you see how? That's just amazing to me. Um, I'm going to uh, I'm going to see if I can. Um, Joel wanted to give an example of fellowship with God, and I'm sure it'd be great to hear from another voice. Um, so I'm going to invite Joel up. He's going to he's just going to give us one more example, and I hope this is I hope this is encouraging to you. I'm going to have to give you my face. I think. Can we turn this mic on? Is this a thing? Is it a thing? It's a thing. All right. So I was standing at worship, and I was just sort of singing, and I felt like I need to ask Jake what he's talking about today and speak. So I was like, okay, I'll ask Jake what he's talking about today and see if he can let me speak. So here we go. Um, it's actually a, just an example from yesterday. Um, I'm at camp for the summer and the spring, and I had a, a day yesterday where I was caught for a mistake I made, and I was told to sort of back off of the situation, and I was like, ah, shoot, like, shouldn't have done that, made a mistake, whoopsies, and that sort of carried on for the whole day, and I was trying to deal with it and figure it out, and I didn't really know how to do with it. Like, I didn't know what to do, and I was sort of condemning myself, and we got to a, uh, the end of the night, it was the end of this staff training week um, yesterday, and there was like a commission night, and I'm like a, one of the directors of, a, of the juniors, but I'm like considered the assistant. Um, so to me, I wasn't sure if I should 
go up and stand for this communion thing that they were doing for commissioning before the other staff came up so we could pray for them. And I was stuck in this, this feeling of like, ugh, I don't feel like worthy enough to, to go up and, and stand in front of everyone before they go up and be able to pray for people. And I ended up not going up, and I went up afterwards with all the other staff, and I asked the director, I was like, should I have gone up? And he's like, yeah, probably. And I'm like, ugh, I feel even worse. And I go up and I get prayed from one of the, from one of the staff that I know, and I was just sort of like, I guess I'll just stay up here now, because I was supposed to go up before, but whatever. Um, so I stood up there, and I'm sort of waiting, and no one comes to, for me for prayer, and I was like, okay, that's, that's understandable. And, uh, <laughs> because I wasn't up there before. And like almost as everybody goes through, um, this one girl comes up to me and one of the other guys that I, I got to pray for me beforehand and says, eh, you two are here, so I'll get you two to pray for me. And it wasn't just him, it wasn't just me. She was like, I'll take the rest. <laughs> and it was really awesome because I got to start praying and the other guy stopped praying and let me speak to her. And it was like God was just reminding me that he's, he's there in the situation and I'm still redeemed from my mistake and not thinking that I was worthy. Um, gave me an opportunity to use a gift that I have even though I didn't think I should. Um, and then fast forwarding just a little bit, I was driving home just last night to come back for Sunday and sitting in the car and I'm driving a friend back into Perth and I'm just talking to her about it for like half an hour and she gets out and I'm like, I have half an hour left in the car. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm like sitting here. I'm like distressed. I'm like, eh. Um, so I'm just listening to music. And I said, through like a little bit of annoyance, I, I was just sitting there thinking about it. And I was like, God, I really need a, a worship song right now. And I hit the, the shuffle button once, and it's not a worship song. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to hit it again. And I hit it again. and. There you go, there's a worship song. And I don't have that many worship songs in my four, four or five hundred song shuffle playlist on Spotify. There's like maybe 30. And of course one comes on and I'm like, my mind is blown. I'm like, God, why you do this? And I'm like crying and I, and I was like, ah, thank you to show me that you love me so much. And then of course I'm like, okay, one song, eh, how about another one? And there's another one. And I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> like, I didn't even, I didn't deserve this, but like God's sort of just showing me how much he loves me through the situation. And not only can he just sort of show you how much he loves you through playing worship songs, through you being able to sing to him and cry and know how much he loves you, but the next song that came on was a Michael Blueblay song, and I love singing to that guy. <laughs> so nice. I was able to sing to his song afterwards. So, and... It's just, uh, just God showing me that even though I made a mistake, it's still redeemable, it's still forgivable, and he still shows through that time. So even though it was through a mistake and it didn't need to happen, it's probably something I'm going to remember for a long time. Thanks, Joel. Yeah. All right, last example, and then I'm going to close in prayer. I, I, I'm running low. Um, I just wanted to give a shout out to one other way that's changed my life in the way that I get to know God personally in, in, in what I call just the secret place, like just hanging out with God. Um, and, and I just wanted to share this is take, take communion on your own. There's, there's, no, there's no law against taking communion on your own and just saying, God, I just want to remember 
that you love me enough that you would die for me. And I just received this now, just you and me, no one's looking, and it's just you and me. I just want to say thanks and honor you that you would do this for me. And I just, and I just remember your sacrifice. Taking communion on your own will blow your mind. <laughs> Not just taking the elements, but, but thanking him and honoring him in a personal way. Amazing. Amazing. So, I, reminder, it's not, it's, it's not a method, just, just do you, but seek the Lord, and, and let's go into fellowship. Can I, I'm just, can I pray for us real quick? Can I, can I close that off? All right. Um, Father, I thank you for the amazing story that you're writing in our lives. I thank you that none of us are accidents, that we're made in your image, and we have a destiny that's sometimes so much greater than we allow ourselves to even dream of. Thank you that, that, You've called to us and said, I, I want to be your best friend and your dad. I want to walk with you every day of your life and, and, and do relationship with you, and that's going to carry beyond our existence here. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for, for, for coming. You didn't have to come. Thank you for rescuing us. Thank you that this is an open invitation. If there's any hearts here who, have, who are, this is new to them and you haven't given your life to Jesus. God, I pray for our friends that they would see that, that this love is available to them too, that this relationship, that, that salvation now and, and into eternity is available just by receiving and believing Jesus, just by receiving and believing that you would do that for us. God, I thank you that you'd, you'll bear fruit in our lives as we learn to love the way that you love us. I thank you that whenever we seek, we find, and as we're seeking to know you and figure out what it looks like for us in our unique way to walk with you, that you won't you'll show us what that looks like. I pray for a spirit of encouragement to go, God, that we would all believe that we can get to know you in a deeper and more personal way, that we can come to you expectantly and hear from you in prayer, and that, and that you want to wash us from all our fear. Thank you that we can find who we are in your word, and thank you for just all you're doing here this morning, God. We love you and honor you. Thanks for the kids just being so great in here this morning, too. It's beautiful that we're sharing this with, with family <laughs> of all ages. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for all that you're doing. We love you and honor you this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of Ottawa Valley Vineyard, visit ovv.ca.